Aguas. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. Welcome to another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life. Alan, how are you feeling today, my brother? My f- my fatherhood brother. <laughs> feeling good, man. Feeling good. Bit tired, bit toasty, but feeling good. Two things to mention. So to all the listeners, Alan had a beautiful, healthy baby girl named Mary. Mary Catherine, right? That's right. Uh, and she is too much and I'm going to see her tomorrow. So I'm like super excited, super hyped. The energy is just all real and too, too much fire going on right now. And the second thing I want to mention is is the fact that it's hotter here in Hounslow than it is in Hawaii. So don't play with us here, man. Don't play with us. <laughs> this is This is the place to be right now. Could you want to be anywhere else? Do you know what I mean? Love it. <laughs> so I think... I know why you picked B. Dolan, Marvin, this week. I think I've got an idea, but Alan, why the pick? <laughs> I think you're probably right. So in our last episode, I was going to say last week, but it was three weeks ago for us. In our last episode, you mentioned Marvin Gaye in reference to Kendrick's track. And immediately this song came into my head and I made the decision there. And then we've done B. Dolan before. I'm a big fan of his writing. I think I first heard this song at one of B. Dolan's live shows, and it just had such an impact. It might not be the sort of song you'd expect at a gig unless you've seen B. Dolan before, and then you know to expect like poems and like freestyle battles and dance-offs and all sorts. He really puts on like a fun show, but he delivered it with such passion in a relatively small venue, and I think it just had the entire audience kind of kind of silenced in awe of the like the delivery it felt so personal and there are some live versions of this where he says this song is about me and Marvin Gaye so I think there might be some real personal elements to this track for him and also I just think it's got some great rhyme schemes so I thought might as well bring it amazing before we start I think I need to make a public apology to any Marvin Gaye fans out there because I think in the last track where we broke down the heart I said that his dad shot Marvin Gaye because he's gay. And I don't necessarily think that's absolutely true. I went and because you picked this track, I started doing a little bit of research and stuff. And it turns out that actually his dad was a really devout Christian pastor, but he also cross-dressed. He was a cross-dresser. While Marvin Gaye was sort of alluding to at times that maybe he might be attracted to men, he never actually came out as gay. So I don't think his dad shot him because he was gay. I think his dad shot him because he, you know, of a negative scenario that 
occurred while they were in the same venue and that's why it happened so i just you know you know apologies for just making some bullshit up last week if that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait to get started who's up first i'm up he could have brought down a mountain when he pounded on a table or made a world collapse from a lapse in behavior he could have brought down a mountain when he pounded on a table and made the world collapse from a lapse in behavior I just think this is a really fantastic opener. Like he could have brought down a mountain when he pounded on a table. So obviously this song is about Marvin Gaye's abusive father. But I think more generally it's applicable to any kind of abuse. And I think B. Dolan captures the power that abusive people can have so well with this line. Like bringing down a mountain with the bang of your fist. It's really incredible imagery. And I think for a child or anyone vulnerable or in a powerless position you can see how someone like this might seem like they have superhuman power like they loom so large you feel defenseless so you might believe they could bring down a mountain just when the with the boom of their voice or the 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 bang of their fist and then to make the world collapse or a lapse in behavior again just captures the kind of abusive behavior of being set off by the smallest thing Like one small thing and someone can go off and just unleash chaos. And so their victims have to walk on eggshells. And it just makes me think of like proportionate responses, particularly from parents. Like it makes me think of Kendrick on the track Fear, like getting his ass beat for every little thing that he does. And as you said, I've only just become a parent, but I'm I'm so determined to make sure that my responses are always proportionate. Like I don't want them to fear me. I don't want them to walk on eggshells. I think you can teach... You can teach respect and discipline and all that stuff in a calm and compassionate way. And that's that's the kind of parent I'm hoping I'll be. Jeez, amazing take. Who's next, bro? I'm up again. Barking from the throne while the castle falls. Barking from the throne while the castle falls. Just a really short one here. I love this metaphor. Barking from the throne while the castle falls. Like, it's just such a great bar. It reminds me... There's a scene in The Lord of the Rings, one of the films, I don't know which one, where this castle is under siege. I can see you laughing if you quoted this as well. (laughs) Oh, no, I haven't quoted it, but I cannot wait to just reiterate what you're about to say. But it's definitely (laughs) the second one. It's number two. It's number two. It's the second one. Okay. So, yeah, this castle's under siege and this king is like, I think he's gone mad. He's trying to like burn himself and his son to death and his henchmen are like obeying his orders. They're like helping him commit suicide and... So he's literally barking orders from his throne while his castle falls. And it's just such brilliant imagery because it shows that this paradox of having absolute control, but also no control. Like you can have control over your family, but your family's falling apart and your power becomes worthless when you destroy the thing that you're trying to control. It's just such a brilliant economy of words. I love it. It's an incredible take. Um, it's... I can't remember the king's name, but it's Faramir. He's got Faramir on top of the wood and he's about to burn him alive and die, kill himself along with it. The thing that made me laugh and got me all smiling and stuff is that actually that scene is so randomly random when Gandalf kicks the door open with shadow facts and basically just sort of, I don't know, cast a spell on him to get rid of the poison that Sauron's put on him because Sauron's actually poisoned his mind which is why he wants to kill his son and he's like bringing down the end of the thing and then he just comes to some extraordinary 
revelation that oh my god look at the hell look what the hell i'm doing and he just goes faramir and then he just runs while on fire and just jumps off the cliff he just fly it's the most randomest thing ever <laughs> i can't wait to cut it in Because me and my brother must have rewinded that scene like literally at least 10 times pissing ourselves because it's just so funny it's so random when you just take it in the context of just that so nah mad mad connections there bro mad connections <laughs> love it you're up next crawling up the walls absorbing the aggression the source of his depression the hurricane raging the awful tension sent in his hands to the piano forged a heaven in his heart but dragged him back to hell when the arguments would start. Crawling up the walls and absorbing the aggression, the source of his depression, the hurricane raging, the awful tension sent his hands to the piano, forged the heaven in his heart, but dragged him back to hell when the arguments would start. Semi snapped there. So the first three lines had my mind almost brainstorming in different angles, Alan. The first thing that these lines made me think about was Kendrick Lamar and his tune on TPAB these walls crawling up the walls absorbing the aggression and i mean i could go on for days about how the narrative of that song ties in with sing about me on good kid mad city but without going into too much depth the overarching narrative here is the same that in in a dysfunctional setting the walls of such households really do absorb so much and if they could talk they would tell us the most horrible stories so, you know, crawling up the walls, absorbing the aggression. It's just, I just found that narrative so powerful and so well put together, as you've said before. I think it's really subtle as well to use the word crawling. Because, you know, when you think about Marvin Gaye's father's temper, like, you know, when we use the word aggression, it's like your te his temper would rise. Don't say that you're going to raise his temper. So crawling up the walls it's like that's what it is that whole treading on eggshells and no matter how many eggshells you tread on you even put the slightest dent in one and that temper of his will just rise a little bit and just rise a little bit and it doesn't matter because especially abusers in my opinion it doesn't matter how perfect you are they're gonna find a reason to just lash out you know what i mean and then going to the fact that absorbing the aggression so you got some guy's temper rising, rising, rising. And the word absorbing is massive because I think the mo in most cases, it's really hard to match aggression with aggression. Usually there's always the aggressor and then there's the one that literally just takes it, you know, the person that's being abused. And so you sense that, that kind of crawling up the walls, 
absorbing the aggression. It's like this person, Marvin's taking it all on. He's absorbing it all because he's not going to be able to fight fire with fire back. Uh, usually, in a, especially in a parent-child setting, one is the aggressor and the other one becomes withdrawn and suppressed. Moving on, the awful tension sent his hands to the piano. The therapy of music, in my opinion, is so powerful. And it was powerful enough to forge a heaven in Marvin's heart. Because of his depression, his relationship with his father was never addressed. So arguments with him would just drag him back to hell. And it's really relatable and it's something I observe all the time because many of us are not willing to address our own shit. So you can remove yourself from a situation. You can run away from a situation. I think I've spoken about stuff like how loving playing competitive sports takes me away from uh, the whole fact of maybe the girls that have cheated on me in the past and takes me away from it. But until I address the whole thing about girls that have cheated me in the past, I can never really face and have a, a you know, a grown-up relationship because I haven't I'm just doing stuff to just negate it I'm doing stuff to get myself away from it and so I just think if you haven't addressed a situation in your head you always then leave yourself up to like to being susceptible and again you notice that people in abused relationships tend to seek out other abusive relationships because they haven't addressed their shit that's insane it's, I think we mentioned it last week, um, last episode, hurt people, hurt more people or something to that effect. And it's like, it's a cycle of abuse, isn't it? Yeah, I snapped you on the second half of that from the awful tension, sent his hands to the piano, forged a heaven in his heart. And like you said, like music can just be so therapeutic. And I guess for Marvin, it seems to have been something of an escape or an outlet. You know, he's surrounded by all of this anger and aggression. So he forges a heaven with this music. And it's just such a beautiful line. But then he gets dragged back to hell. And so it's just like, oh, it's 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 really beautiful, but really sad at the same time. And yeah, just really, really great writing. Facts, man. Who's next? You're up. He mapped the length of his son's back with a leather belt sapped his strength with tongue lashings and heavy guilt, attacked his legs with such savage and deadly skill, the cracks left in the punched plaster were never filled. He mapped the length of his son's back with the leather belt and sapped his strength with tongue lashings and heavy kill. Attacked his legs with such savage and deadly skill, the cracks left in the punched plaster were never filled. So I spit these four lines in half and I believe the first two lines do an unbelievable job of describing how both physical abuse and psychological abuse can take their toll usually with the psychological having much more of a longer lasting effect and the reason why I say this Alan is because absolutely there are like horrible 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 memories associated with physical trauma but provided the wounds are not too bad like they're not permanent scars for instance Wounds can heal and the direct reminder of looking in the mirror can disappear. Like once the bruise is gone, say you've got a black eye. Once the black eye is gone, you don't see the black eye anymore. You don't see that memory. You don't see that direct relationship between why have I got a black eye. However, psychological abuse tends to really, really entrench itself into us because I'm not sure why, but it just have a, has a way of becoming part of your identity. And the best way I can, best example I can give to try and describe this is like nasty nicknames. 
like you give a nickname to someone and maybe like i don't know something like you know that you call him dopey yeah, this guy you know this guy's dopey and the person doesn't like it you know it doesn't like it but once it sticks it sticks and that person could be really sharp that person could be really smart but you know everyone else is waiting on that person to just trip up once so that they can go and start calling dopey 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 and like you know just almost bully that person into that effect and it can be so energy sapping trying to push back tongue lashings that you lose the strength to care anymore so again, you, you imagine people that have a nickname that's just not associated with them that they don't like, but you can't keep fighting everyone. You can't keep correcting everyone because eventually you just run out of energy. You just give up and you just sort of say, ah, oh, fuck it, whatever. Let them call me whatever they want to call me anymore, right? You almost conform and adopt what's being said to you with, with that psychological abuse. The cracks left in the punched plaster were never filled. This is just such a good double entendre because it describes the physical action of maybe someone punching a hole through a wall via aggression and anger. But it also serves as, a, as the saying is you can't plaster over the cracks. So just like my previous set of lines, music became Marvin's therapy and provided him escapism. But unfortunately, with regards to relationship with his father, music only plastered over the cracks. It would work for a certain amount of time. But eventually, it was all going to always break down. Yeah, it's like really powerful imagery. I think that cracked plaster, it's it's just, it's like a, I don't want to say universal, but it's just a sign of a troubled home with this full of aggression. And the fact that it, it's never filled is just brilliant. Facts, man. Who's next? You're up again. A marriage bed unraveling and a wedding bell cracked. He fell into drug habits, the empty shell. The tragic end of love's passion, a temple that fell. The collapse of such a fragile and sensitive will. Relapse to ugly patterns of kill or be killed. To combat the drunken shadow and wrestle the swell. Came back to the blood he battled where the devil dwelt. A marriage bed unraveling in a wedding bell. Cracked he fell into drug habits, the empty shell. A tragic end of love's passion, a temple that fell. The collapse of such a fragile and sensitive will. Relapse to ugly Nicely delivered, man. Semi snap on that. The collapse of such a fragile and sensitive will relapsed to ugly patterns of killed or be killed. It's hard to become more empathetic when exposed to the shit that Marvin's endured. However, you can get there, and it seems like he did. However, vices like drugs and alcohol will make you relapse to the worst versions of yourself. So that was just in there, and so beautifully put by B. Dolan. To combat the drunken shadow and wrestle the swell, came back to the blood he battled where the devil dwelled. This is, again, a very, very clever way of coming back to the blood he battled. It's the blood of his father that, you know, his father is his blood. He's essentially returning back to his father who presents himself as a holy man, a man of Christ. But really, the way he treated Marvin was essentially being the devil, like being devilish. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I Yeah, I snapped you on a section of that. I was tempted to highlight this entire section and then I didn't. But I mentioned at the start how there were some great rhyme schemes in this track. and 
this is an example. B. Dolan highlighted this himself on a social media post a couple of years back, and he pointed out that the second verse of Marvin contains a six-syllable rhyme scheme repeated 15 times. And that's insane. That's like throughout this whole section here, the cracked, he fell into drug habits, the empty shell, temple that fell. And it's just the whole thing. Every part of that line from start to end is rhyming. It's just incredible writing. And I was, like I said, I was tempted to highlight all 15 of those bars, but not just hitting, you know, 15, six syllable rhymes, but it all makes sense, develops the theme and the story that he's telling. None of it's forced, none of it's filler. Like, he hasn't tried to squeeze anything in there just to keep the rhyme scheme going. It all makes sense. There's zero waste. And, yeah, this kind of writing really puts Speed Ellen up there for me. Like, it, it takes a lot of skill, I think, to do that. And then, like you said, beyond the rhyme scheme itself, there's just so much happening in in this section, the fall into addiction. Um, I was thinking you probably know from some of your work how drug habits can really take the life out of someone and how... It so often starts with trauma of some kind. And and for me, it hits especially hard because of how sensitive and gentle Marvin Gaye sounds in his music. Like, I don't know a lot about him as a person, but he, come, he came across as a gentle person. And so to be drawn into that cycle of violence is just really, really sad. So yeah, it's, it's powerful and, again, incredible rhymes. Bars, man, absolute bars. An incredible breakdown there by you, Lo. Cool, I'm up again. After the sudden blast, a heavy quiet fell. He asked his father why the silence wouldn't tell. I feel like the question why is one of the most important words that humans have or concepts. Like how much of our world and then like our being starts with why. You know, it's a joke that kids constantly ask why for for every response because the reason they do it is actually a brilliant strategy, right, to get to the bottom of things. Um, you might have heard this in your line of work. Managers often talk about the five whys. Like when you're trying to solve some kind of logistical problem, you ask why five times to reduce the problem down to its core issue. Like why is that an issue? Why is that an issue? Why is that an issue? It's a powerful word, but also it can be a completely futile word. It could be powerless. Like when you see, for example, another school shooting occur and dozens of kids have been killed and you despondently ask, why? Like when anyone does something awful or cruel or unkind, you just think, why? And you ask the question, but you know there's no simple answer. And there might not even be an answer at all, you know. And when a parent who's supposed to care about, you know, their children or their family kills them or, or abuses them there's no simple explanation for that it's part of humanity that we i think struggle to understand and and i'm not saying those things have no cause it's the opposite they have like multiple causes and it's really complex and hard to observe and so in those cases the why feels like it's said in despair more than anything like why and that kind of despair is just captured so perfectly in this line and in the delivery. Like B. Dolan's voice almost sounds pained, like he's asked his father why, but the Silas wouldn't tell. It's just brilliant, man. It's unbelievable, and I can't agree enough with you more where the question is almost redundant. Like, when you talk about the school shootings, it's, it's too late to 
use that. It's too late to ask the question. It's it's too late. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's almost like what I the question shouldn't be why. It should be what are you gonna do, and you know how are you gonna stop this from not happening ever again. And when he when you think about the fact that if Marvin had an opportunity, he might ask his dad why, but it don't matter. The action sort of the action that the evilness, the callousness of it all just completely outweighs that it doesn't even deserve rationale it doesn't you don't you as the victim don't deserve rationale and i understand that we as humans want rationale because i think it helps and provides closure but when something is so evil and like you said it's just so complex that you know that whatever you get out of that answer is probably never going to even be anywhere close to what the actual answer is it's it's you're right it's an amazing take by you because it just got me thinking that on one hand why is the most powerful thing that we can ever ask and yet at the same time it's one of the most redundant things that you can ask given the situation because yeah. it can't it can't undo what's happened it's like not once, once he's killed him it's, it can't be undone and like like you said that makes the why almost redundant like it's done now madness bro it's absolute madness I, I always think about when a couple breaks up because someone cheated on the other one and, and you ask the question why and you go it's done now you know that person has no respect for you so you don't need to ask the question but you're just compelled to isn't it you're just compelled to so i think it's 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 so nuanced that it's fire bro it just gets my brain ticking <laughs> you're up next because his father was a man of the cross, who said his son was a slave to the flesh, when the argument ended, the music would stop. Marvin was left with a hole in his chest. Because his father was a man of the cross, who said his son was a slave to the flesh. When the argument ended, the music had stopped. Marvin was left with the hole in his chest. What a tragic story, bro. Like, anyone that has listened to Marvin sing, and if you just his catalog is different and he has absolute bangers but he also has a generational talent to him and for him to be i know he was struggling with drug addiction and i think he was sort of had money troubles at the time which is why he ended up back in the same house as his dad but you just say to yourself what a talent to to have lost so early and it is crazy because apparently they had an argument and nothing kind of got said he just his dad just walked into the other room just came back with a you know magnum or whatever it might be and just blapped him there wasn't uh there wasn't like ah oh, you know say another word and we there was it was just cold and callous in the most strangest of ways and i you know, just like I said, I did some research and apparently Marvin's final words as recorded by his brother Frankie were I got what I wanted. I couldn't do it myself. So I made him do it. Yeah, because he attempted suicide like three times. Mad, isn't it? Which makes it is just so much to it. And again, it's just it's a tragic story. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it's it's an absolute tragedy, tragedy, but it is so nuanced and so nuts that someone who was so talented and pretty much had everything that we all you know want 
success, you know, women, this, that. He kind of had the world, the, the world was his oyster for a, for a fair number of years, but actually it's still never enough because he never addressed the trauma and he never addressed the trauma for himself. Uh, who am I to sort of judge him? I'm not saying that in a judging fashion. I'm just saying it in the fact that he never addressed his shit for himself. Hence why he tried to commit suicide three times. And actually, he he was almost at peace with what had happened. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like his his father was the cause of a lot of his pain. And since he'd attempted to take his life three times, and since his father was one of the causes of that pain, it's like, well, I'll just get him to finish where he started, essentially. Yeah, and so crazy that he was the cause of all of his pain and actually literally the end of his pain as well, and it just comes full circle. Absolute nuts, man. Crazy yeah. track. Sad sad story, but incredible song. Yeah, and really appreciate you sharing this with me. Um, nothing but love to B. Dolan. Nothing but love to all of B. Dolan's fans. Nothing but love to all the BRL listeners out there. Nothing but love to you, Alan. One. Peace.